ACMS podcast. I'm Joshua, your host, and I'm excited for this guest. I know I say I'm excited always, but literally, I'm really excited for Jason Download. I'm pretty sure that you guys are familiar with him because he's the president of studio at MX at the seminar we had a couple of weeks ago. And we get to hear in this podcast basically of his leadership his networking skills, and also as well, he gives us advice on how we're able to take action and not be afraid of not knowing everything. That's something that I think myself, I can improve myself, and I love the fact that he shared that. He is basically someone that helps not only this generation, but understands the market and the industry, how it's going to VDC, and it's using more of a virtual design in that instance. And that's what his company's doing at basically at, you know, more efficient and effective in that instant. And basically the quality of work is enhancing. And I love the fact that we were able to have a conversation on that. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this because it's it was it was really fun editing this podcast because it was like a repeat of all this information and skills and knowledge that Jason was able to share with us excited because this is something that you guys will enjoy and i hope you guys enjoy thank you welcome to the acms podcast i'm joshua your host today's guest is jason download we have a lot of stuff to talk about today because i am really excited about this guest and what brought me attention he was how we were able to link in with jason last week of the seminar he had with studio mx is he is the president for Studio MX and he uh, was also an executive for uh, Big D's Construction. Hey, welcome, Jason. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me here. What made you get into construction? Was it something that you grew up around your family or was it something like you were always like kind of like wanting to learn when you were a teenager? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. In high school, when I, growing up in my family, my, my mom had what we called a uh, remodel problem she couldn't leave houses alone. And so she was always remodeling. And so we, we, we kind of joke with her that we grew up, you know, having Thanksgiving sitting on the floor because the kitchen was torn up or sometimes Christmas was done because it was really dusty. So I grew up with that in my life. But what's funny is when I went to college, uh, I really wanted to be in computers in computer science. And that was a long time ago, back like early 90s, and computer science wasn't as big as it is obviously today. So I actually got a part-time job and I was working with the contractor that my mom would hire for these remodels. His name's Evan Madsen, great guy. He's from Denmark. And uh, he's, he had an accent, spoke Danish, and his son and I were best friends. So it was kind of natural that I would work with those guys. But it was funny, he used to yell at us in Danish He'd yell at us because we were too slow or we were dusty when we were sweeping and stuff like that. But that's really where I got started in construction. But as I went to the university uh, and was in computer science, I needed a part-time job. And uh, coincidentally, my father-in-law is Ted Jacobson of Jacobson Construction. And I was able to get a job as a laborer on the East High School project in Salt Lake City. Now, my father-in-law told me, he's like, don't go into construction. It's a really tough occupation, you know, stick with computer science. But uh, I'm not a very good listener and I'm always not very good at, at uh, obeying. <laughs> so, so I stuck with it. And at Jacobson, I, you know, they, they noticed that 
I could use a computer, but I was out sweeping floors and that didn't make sense to them because computers were just starting to hit job sites. So they asked me to come in and help a couple times. And pretty soon they said, hey, stop sweeping floors. Why don't you come work in the office and help us with change orders? And, you know, how do we print stuff out and all that? And so that's really how it got started. It wasn't intentional. And I, I'm, I'm blown away by you guys that are intentional at saying, yes, I want to be in construction. It's awesome. I didn't have that direction. I, I just sort of fell into it. But the two worlds, obviously, as you know me today, have crashed together, right? The computer side and the construction side. And that's what makes it fun. So, Wow. And it, it shows so much of like, you know, the skills that you're able to have, like in, in that instance, if you have a computer skills, and I feel like, for instance, you always have to have the field experience at the same time. That way, totally. you know exactly we are designing in that and on the computer or at the same time you could talk with your team. Yeah, um, absolutely. Did you like continue going to school after that by any chance? Like did, what school did you uh, graduate by the way, if you don't mind me asking? You, you're, you're welcome to ask that, but you won't like the answer because I went to the University of Utah, right? I was at the University of Utah um, and I was actually trying to, to bring computer science and the art department together because... Graphic design was starting to be really cool on computers back in the early 90s. So I was trying to do my own major at the University of Utah. And it was working for a while. But then I got to about, I had like two or three quarters left. And my counselor called me up and said, hey, listen, this isn't really working out. Computer science doesn't like that you're not full-time. And the art department doesn't like that you're full-time. You got to pick one or the other. And by the way, that means you're going to have another year or two of school. What? what? So I was I was at this time, the Jacobson Construction Group was asking me to put more hours in. And so I'm faced with this moment of, okay, I've got to pick one or the other, and I've got to go to school for another year more, or do I just walk out right now and go work full-time in construction? And I think you know the answer. I, I said, you know what? No, thanks. And I walked out. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ungraduated person. I did not graduate from college, um, which is risky. It, and it made my wife nervous and it made my father-in-law nervous. And, you know, I had to work. I, I would, I think I had to work a little bit harder because of that. Not saying that you get a free hall pass just because you've got the paper, but I would run up to this every once in a while when people would say, oh, can we promote this guy? Well, he doesn't even have a degree. Right. So I'd have to I'd have to do things and work a little bit harder. So it was that was never an issue or a question. Right. Yes. Well, it just shows like you basically how hungry you were to just be successful or in general, just to like to de not so much demonstrate to the people around you. But I for me, like in those kind of instances, if you notice, like, you know, always a trend of like basically people that didn't graduate from they're always the most successful ones at the end, because I feel like within having those skills of like, you know, communication, um, understanding their value, which, you know, you understand your value that you bring to the company you're at and also the company that you're starting at the moment or been working at the moment. And yeah. that's what kind of, but for me, like when you were talking about these um, students in Mexico that you see value in them when, you know, at the same time, like, oh, it's only Mexico, what they didn't know about VDC. It just demonstrates how much you look at people and you see like, hey, that guy has potential. That woman has potential to be part of this team. And this is what we are about, you know, making, pushing the level elevation of our industry even higher than where we're at at the current moment. And for you, like one of my questions within like probably presidents and CEOs, like what is the best way of networking? Like, I think that's one of the things in general that everybody, for me, it's not what you know, it's like who you know at the end of the day, but like, how is it like something that you do 
to like network, have a like great relationship within like the people that you do business with? That's a, that's a really good question because I think, you know, networking is changing. A lot of it's done online, whereas before it used to be in person. You know, LinkedIn has made that made things change to where it's like you can click a button and connect with somebody, whether you know them or not. And somehow you're like networked with them, right? But the other side to that is the personal connections that you make with people. So one of the things that I really think should be the focus if you're trying to learn this skill is do not have, don't go into it thinking, what am I going to get out of this? I think one of my favorite things to do in, in like networking, if you will, is when I can connect two people that I know, if I know person A and person B, but they don't know each other, but I know person A and person B, if they get together, they can do some cool stuff. Then I should make that connection for them and go, Hey, Josh, this is Larry. You guys would kill it together. I just want to introduce you. And if I can help get you guys on zoom or go, you know, grab a bite to eat or something together, I want to do that and make that connection happen and walk away saying, I'm so happy those guys are connected and I'm happy. I don't need to have anything as like, uh, you know, a, they'll thank you or whatever, but it's like, I don't benefit from that financially or anything. I'm just happy that two people got together. So when I'm connecting with people, I'm always kind of watching like, who would it be awesome to connect this person with? And once you do that, then people are like, well, I want to start connecting people with you. And then that networking happens without you having to actively go do it. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I think, I think for me, sometimes like kind of like, and I hear like some of the classmates like, oh, what is, because, you know, like we work on projects and sometimes they'd be like, hey, can you help me with this? And they're like, they expect you, something from you, from them helping you. And I really love that, that instance of you being um, like unselfish, like I don't get out of it, but at the same time, you know, you just brought them together. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. I think someone always wants something to return at the end of the day. They're always looking for that. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the wrong way of thinking in it in that way, because if you never know, like at the end of the day, that person will probably have like a project or something for you in the long run in the future. And I, that's how I see it in that instant. And I, and I think like at the, at the place that you guys are in life where you're, you're in college right now, and it's, it's hard because you're like, I desperately want to make connections, but I want that connection because I want to get in this industry, which means I've got to get a job with that person. And, and so I understand like people will reach out to me and say, I want to connect with you. Here's my resume. How do I get work for Studio Mix? And like, and I, I totally get that. And I totally understand that. Another way to approach that is hey, I really enjoyed your company. Tell me more about it and tell me what are the things you're looking for in people to join your company. That's a different conversation, right? Because now I'm in the position of imparting, here's what I think. And then you've got an opportunity to say, that sounds great. I'd love to send you my resume. I'm not sure I'm qualified, but I'd love to send you my resume. I'm going to remember that person. But I get so many times where it's not just at Studio Max, it was at Big D, it was at Jacobson, it's been at other companies where people are like, here's my resume, how do I work for you? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know that I have a job opening for you, right? And, <laughs> and that's, that kind of, that sets a tone and I, I'm not sure I'm going to remember you for the right reasons if, if you follow me, right? No, I follow you on that. And I think just having the, that you're able to build that friendship or relationship in the long run, I think it's more valuable in that instant instead of like, you know, always, you know, just trying to get at something out of it. And I think, 
brother sessions and the, some of the faculty kind of make that um, clear to like, you know, yeah. my classmates and some of the here in the program. And the cool part about it, which I love about is so much of like the leadership that we get and how we're able to take initiative and take action. And you, I mean, I, you can just see it within yourself, like how reflex. Um, what was that transition of you like leaving your, your um, you know, the company that you were already like, you know, established, you can say, and known in that way in the industry that you're, you know, in, I can imagine in Utah in the West to kind of like, you know, leave, not leave it, but kind of start your own thing. What was that procedure like? It's scary. Uh, even, you know, at my age and having worked in the industry for over almost, you know, close to 30 years now, it's scary at any time, but I really valued the good things I learned in big companies like Jacobson and Big D and, and other companies like that. I valued very good things and very good examples. I also valued the horrible examples and the things that drove me crazy. And so as I set out into doing, you know, to Studio Max, there were things that I, I wanted to make part of the company that I knew irritated me or were tough to deal with. Uh, I didn't want to do those. And I definitely wanted to focus on the things that were, were awesome. So for example, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to dig on any of the big companies. I understand why they do this, but one of the first thing is you get X amount of vacation days per, per year. Right. And people just like, Oh yeah, I get two weeks vacation every year. That's amazing. What's crazy is like you get to the end of the year and you're like, I never took any of those days <laughs> because I was so busy. And so we don't actually at Studio Max have a rule on this. We actually have a, a, a rule that says there's no limit to vacation days. What we expect is that you come to work, you work hard, we get our projects done. And if you can take three days between this job and the next one, do it. If you can take three weeks and everyone's okay and no projects are going to get dropped and clients are happy, do that too. And if you get 40 vacation days by the end of the year and you still hit targets and everything's good, great. But I also, as a leader, have to facilitate that and say, hey, Daniela or Aldo or Gabby, you've been working a lot lately. I need you to take a break. And no one came and said that to me at big companies. They're like, hey, you put in another 60 hours. Good job. Hey, you put another 100 hours in. Good job. What they weren't saying is, oh, my gosh, I'm really sorry your family has been without you for an additional 30 hours this week. That's not worth it. <laughs> you need to go home. You need to take care of your family. This work can go on without you. And, and so that's one of the things, an example, like we're really good about making sure people are okay. If they're not okay and they're struggling with something, a grandparent is sick or, you know, their dog died or something, they're not focused on their work. So we want to rally around and go, we're really sorry this happened. Go away. We'll take care of everything that you had on your plate. Take care of family. Take care of yourself make sure things are good, then come back and we'll yeah. be ready. Wow. I really like your, um, your intake on that. It's, it makes it seem, it makes it clearly understand like even more of a value that your company has more. Cause like, you know, if it's Aldo or Daniela, like, you know, they're like your team leads that gives yeah. the opportunity for the other ones. Like, you know, they're, they're like, they're basically the ones that are under them that they can, you know, have like a breakthrough in that and like step it up in that project and that, that builds more trust and relationship in how they're able to even be 
more valuable than what they are already currently at that moment. It's like for yeah. me, like I, I, I love basketball and I love like when they give the award to the sixth man of the year and, you know, because they do a big job at the end of the day, they have to come off the bench to do like their part. And it shows that within your team that you're doing that. And I, I love that, that you give that option. Perfect. Yeah. If, if people are happy at work, then they will take care of their own clients, right? They'll make the people that we're working for happy. And so that's our focus. We have four focuses at, at Studio Max. And the first one is team. It's team communication, quality on time. But team is and will be and always will be number one. And that means ourselves and our clients. As long as they're taken care of and they feel comfortable and safe and there's trust, everything else will fall into place automatically. No question. That's how it's supposed to be. Perfect. And I would talk to you about your leadership. How is it for you, like, one of the most, I mean, I imagine this is probably the most challenging, if it's not, that I've spoken to, like, the bidding and, like, handling the, like, I guess the accounts of that instance of, like, projects. How is that for you, like, in that point? It's actually, that's really not a tough part for us because we're, we're very easy in how we do estimating. So if I actually, just before this, uh, I was with a, a potential new client who was asking me, you know, how do you know how much it costs to do work and how long it's going to take? And it's pretty simple. We, we can look at a set of plans and say, okay, this is about a 5,000 square foot house that we're going to pick up after the schematic design phase. They want us to go through the design development and get to the construction documents and the permit set. We look at it as a team really quickly and we go, hey, we think this is two people full time for four weeks, right? So you do two times 40 equals 80. 80 times four is what, 320? So it's 320 mm -hmm. hours and our going rate is around $65 an hour. So pretty quickly you could say, hey, it's about $20,000 for us to do that. Very easy. But what we do in return that I think is a little different is we say, okay, team, we have 320 hours to get this work done. And, you know, just like every basketball game you watch, there's a scoreboard, right? It's really important to know if the Jazz are going to beat the, the, the Clippers. If you take that <laughs> scoreboard away, kind of nobody cares about the game, right? The mm -hmm. scoreboard has to be there. So we have in front of us at all times, we have 320 hours to go. And every day we know how many hours we've used. So we can tell, are we on target or not? And when we're on target, life is good. When we're not on target, we need to know why. Did something happen? Did we miss something? Or did our client change something? And should we go back and say, hey, you changed this, which is fine. You want the bathroom over here. That's okay, but it's another 10 hours. So we're now at 330 hours. But the point being is you should know at all times if you're winning or losing. And that shouldn't just be the president of the company. And it shouldn't just be Daniela's vice president every person in our company should know because they make good decisions when they know if they're winning or losing, right? Hey, we're not going to hit our hours. Well, gosh, we should figure out a faster way to put wall sections together. Well, I've got an idea. Let's do this. And all of a sudden the team will figure out a way to make 320 hours come in. That's what's blown me away in the construction industry is how little people know about winning or losing. And, and I think it's something that has to change in our industry. It's changing already as it is. As like more technology gets more involved, and especially like, you know, I guess you could say like businesses like you that started are kind of like pushing and innovating the actual pace of like setting bids or at the same time, the time frame of project. And they start seeing like, wow, that old, I'm not saying the old model doesn't work, but this yeah. new model is more efficient 
and at the same time it's more effective in the instant that you know it's just faster than like for me like i don't understand like like i mean i imagine like i don't know like i always watch i mean i saw this video that my friend sent me and is they build it in china a 24 um, story building in two weeks yeah <laughs> and i was just like shocked how is it even possible to do that and it's just like no because everything's like already prefabricated everything's ready and settled and it just shows you within the communication instance to do something like that yeah. um i mean i don't know the quality in the instance but at the same time it just shows you like the process of it and it, yeah. i mean i feel like in your instance it's a similar way that you're doing in that way but with quality in that point yeah quality and and efficiency have to go hand in hand though because yeah. i just was telling this other client like it doesn't matter if i turn something over to you in two hours that should have taken me 10 if it's garbage and also, it doesn't matter if I turn over to you like the most immaculate drawing, but it took me a year to do it. You've got to meet somewhere in the middle. That efficiency and that quality have to come together. And that takes experience. It really does. And that's where I think, you know, learning your skill, both digitally and in real life, how is it really built? Those two have to go together in order for you to think, I know how to draw this in 3D because I've seen it built and I know how to do it quality and efficient. All those things have to crash together. Perfect. Since you're like, I don't know, I, I, I love the fact that you have you have great leadership skills and at the same time you you feel like, I know for me, like I've been practicing this semester or the last semester, it's kind of put me in moments of like feeling uncomfortable because I feel like when you're able to give, you're able to get tasked and you don't know what to do. I think sometimes people feel like, you know, embarrassed or they're just shy about it to ask, you know, what do I do here or what should I do here? I think if you're just able to ask, like, can you help me here understand this? And then I think if you're able to feel able to overcome those feelings or that moment of feeling uncomfortable, and then you get pressured in like those uncomfortable moments, like you were expressing earlier, it comes natural to you. And you'd be like, hey, I've been in this situation. I know what to do. I can rise to the occasion to this moment. How has that helped you in general in the times of feeling like in those uncomfortable moments to like, I guess you could say, make a big deal or at the same time, bring something valuable even more to the company that you have at the current moment? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I, uh, spent, I've spent a lot of time with the United States Green Building Council on a, on a national level, and I had a partner, George Bandy. He was the, the chairman of the board, and I was the chair of the chapter steering committee. And we were in the middle of changing the whole organization. We kept telling people, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's weird. You know, feels like kind of a meme, if you will. But mm -hmm. the more you get uncomfortable, you're going to find that the results of what you're pursuing are going to be more um, impactful to you as a person and in your profession. And one thing that's really difficult is that feeling of, I don't know what to do. And I'm afraid to ask, because if I ask, I'm going to reveal that I don't know what to do. And there's a proud moment. There's an ego-driven action there of saying, I'm not going to ask because I don't want people to know I'm, I, I don't know. Yeah. But you can ask the question in a way that is, you know, you ask it in a way that says, I need your help. I, I think I know what to do. Here's what I think I need to do, but I'm not sure. Can you like confirm that for me? Or what would you do in this situation? And guide me. And, and if you approach it that way, it's a lot easier to ask. Right. And so one of the things at Pseudomex, we work with a lot of different clients and everyone does, does it differently. Every office we work with, every client that has a different approach to how they want their drawings. The worst thing we can do is sit and try and figure it out on our own without asking them. 
And it seems so simple, right? Like just ask. But that is, we all know that's hard sometimes. But we've been coaching our team to just ask that question. And we find the clients appreciate it. And they have a moment where they can educate and say, I'm glad you asked because this is what I do. And this is why I do it. You know, and not just understanding how and what. This goes back to Simon Sinek's book. Why do you do it that way? I want to understand that so that I can better understand what I'm doing and the purpose in it. Does that make sense? Wow. That, no, that makes it makes a lot of sense. And it just, I feel like you put it there perfectly. And I feel like and if you ask, you should receive. And, you know, yes. what's, the best, what's the best way? What's the best way? The cornerstone values that we have here at the program and construction management is um, honesty and integrity. And in general, like what are some of the, I mean, I imagine you guys value those a lot in your work and industry because that's where they continue, the clients continue to work with you because Absolutely. of your honesty and your delivery that you have. But being a, a you know, part of the church and at the same time, how has like kind of the example of Christ-like attributes that you have inherited or at the same time, you know, put them to practice has helped you and your team or the people around you in that instance? It's interesting, honesty and integrity. We talk a lot about on, in religion and, and in our church side. And in business, I think the, the word we use is transparency, right? Even though they mean the same yeah. thing. Um, so it's sort of like business to church talk. But, you know, as an example of that, we, we've done projects where we've hard bid and said, hey, we think this is a thousand hours. Um, and then we get done in like half the time. Now, it would be really easy to say, and, and we're totally justified in saying, okay, well, we get to bill you a thousand hours, even though we got it done in 500 hours. As a company and as a practice, we, we come back and say, we finished early, and so we're only billing you the 500 hours. What happens almost every single time is the client turns around and goes, that's crazy. I'm willing to pay you the 1,000 hours. But because you're doing this, I want to give you more work because I know I can trust you guys. There's a, a, a high trust level here, and I want to keep working with you guys. And we didn't. the thing is, though, we didn't do it because of that. We did it because we're like, should we take half the money that we didn't get? Yes, we have a contract that says we can, and that would be totally fine. But we sort of felt creepy about it. You know, that that internal guide that we all have was saying, oh, man, you guys really are you taking advantage? I love that my team thinks that way, even though none of them are members of the church. They're all guided by that light and they know what's right and wrong. And so it's fun when we get to do that. And, and I mean, speaking of that, it's really fun to watch our team work on temples, especially when they're, they're not sure exactly what it is, but we've been able to share videos with them. I've said, this is what happens in an endowment room. This is why their baptistries in there. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And so I, I really enjoy uh, working on temple projects and, and all these, these things we're talking about. So. No, that's awesome. And for me, like, I think you guys have one of the beautiful temples for me, like uh, the Templo de Tijuana is like one of the nicest temples. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just love how they kept the, that old mission um, look yes. to it, representing all the mission colonies around, you know, Southern California. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I, I used to have a house that was right next to that I would stand to. And it was really easy when I got in an Uber and they'd say, hey, where are you going exactly? I was like, oh, by the by the LDS temple. And then everyone in TJ knew yeah. what that was. Everyone in yeah. Tijuana knew. So I like to ask this, like, um, basically, music, I asked alumni, but as a president of Studio MX, like, what would you suggest freshmen or anybody in school currently that is basically trying to discover themselves 
or at the same time, what they should do at this current moment? Ooh, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, be open to as many experiences that you feel good about, right? Because as you, you leave home, a lot of new things hit you. You're living by yourself for the first time. Mom's not there to make you sandwiches. You find new friends. You've probably got to get a job. You're in the middle of school, which is not like high school was. So there's a lot new happening right there. But be open to, to great experiences. And, you know, I know finals are horrible, right? I think you guys are in finals right now. It's horrible, right? I would say uh, the words that come out of your mouth are self-fulfilling. So if you're the one who's walking around saying, gosh, this class is horrible. Man, I hate where I live. This food is annoying. And man, my teachers are, are the worst. Guess what? You're right. But if you say, man, I'm so grateful. I've got a great apartment in a cool town. And man, this class is hard. It's really challenging me. And wow, I've got a tough job right now, but it's making me a better person. Then guess what? You're right. The words that you speak to yourself and to the world, those around you, you're right. So I would say learn at this age to say the words that you want to be true in your life. Perfect. Well said. Thank you, Jason. I do appreciate you having the time to drop by and um, basically share your experiences and knowledge with us. I'm pretty sure a lot of my partners here at, at school and uh, classmates will enjoy it. And we are, we, I can't wait till you guys come in campus and, you know, can give a seminar in person, uh, hopefully next semester. And that'll be great. And some of the, I, hopefully maybe uh, if everything gets good over there with the COVID in, um, what's it called in Tijuana, they can come some of your, um, what's called leads over here too as well. I wouldn't mind taking them out to dinner or something like that. That would be awesome. And I appreciate you inviting me on here. Super big high five to you and the whole team over there at BYU-Idaho. Thanks.